Welcome to the Vince in the Bay podcast. This episode will focus on Data Miner, a New York based startup which is authorized to analyze the entire Twitter quote fire hose, which is all of the live tweets blasted out in real time. And this exclusive access to Twitter's raw data allows Data Miner to filter the information to identify important events and business trends as they unfold, and also act as an early warning system for events like terrorist attacks, natural disasters, and other public emergencies. Data Miner is Twitter's only data partner that is also allowed to resell the complete stream of tweets. Data Miner offers clients advanced social media analytics as a service in the form of digests and news updates. They have sold their services to hedge funds, news outlets, big corporations, and government entities, including law enforcement and intelligence agencies. This episode, I speak with two reporters who have been tracking Data Miner. First, Carrie Flynn of Mashable, and then Russell Brandom of The Verge. They will both join me to discuss Data Miner and its place in the social media galaxy. I am now joined by Carrie Flynn. She's a business and tech reporter at Mashable. Hello, Carrie. Hey, how are we doing today? We're doing fantastical. How are you? No complaints. So I've been uh, paying a lot of attention to Twitter lately. Uh, it seems like this past year, Twitter has been really trying to clamp down on abusive users and, and whatnot. And that guy, Jack, the guy that's apparently like, you know, owns Twitter, runs Twitter, the CEO <laughs> yeah, of Twitter. CEO, the, CEO co-founder, Jack Dorsey. Yeah, co-founder. Two-time CEO. Two-time CEO. Yeah. That dude with the beard. What he's actually done for the company has been fascinating the last year. Fascinating in a good way? <laughs> he's, he's, you know, like I said, it's his second time being CEO, and it's been a really hard time for Twitter. So, yeah, he's had to, you know, make a lot of big changes. And I think it's, it's good that you emphasize this whole cracking down on abuse and cracking down and really, like, narrowing in on what Twitter is uh, in the last year and what Twitter will be. Edward Snowden does a, uh, a little Q&A with, with Jack on Twitter. And, yeah, on live video on Periscope. Yeah. So one thing that stood out to me uh, during this was he made Twitter seem like they're an anomaly when just a couple weeks earlier, it was uh, announced that the FBI and Twitter were going into an agreement to give the FBI access to this advanced alerting tool called Data miner, that's D A T A M I N R, and give them exclusive access to the full quote fire hose of live mm -hmm. tweets, making it uh, a valuable resource for anyone looking for illegal activity on the service. So now Snowden is here laying these platitudes on Jack and how his company has resisted the the law enforcement and. They haven't. They're working with law enforcement. They're giving them unfettered access to all their tweets in yeah, real time. I would, 
I would push back that they said uh, it's not completely the. I don't believe it's a raw fire hose. I think they did say it, it's limited. Data Miner is the only partner that has full access fire hose, but what they're giving the FBI through Data Miner still is a little filtered. Mm, this says da- Data Miner agreed to provide its tool to search the complete Twitter fire hose in real time with customizable filters. It, yeah, it is confusing what they have, like in terms of like the complete access. It's a different agreement they have with the FBI. Twitter has said they've had a long-standing policy that their tweets can't be used for surveillance. So they're saying that still stands, but now they still have access to this, this subset of tweets. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security signed a contract with Data Miner for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It seems kind of cheap. <laughs> yeah, uh, what what does that. that? What does that get them? Okay, you look at the whole fire hose. You're going to get like a sprinkler system. Okay, they don't get all the real time information, as in it would be delayed. But they can still search through archives. Right. You wrote this article about how Twitter apparently. They don't like the idea of government agencies using data miner in their fusion centers. Tell me about these fusion centers and what this deal is and how the and this is all the the ACLU brought this up. Props to the ACLU, honestly, like they have been uh, really the ones that have cracked down and looked into these relationships between Twitter and these government centers. Pretty much saying, okay, what we're saying, like Twitter says we don't allow this to use for surveillance, but they have these partnerships with companies that clearly, supposedly Twitter didn't know, but like the marketing materials of these other agencies are, and data miners kind of back and forth is saying that, oh, hey, yeah, you can find these protesters in Ferguson with our data, hypocritical information that the ACLU like obtained through FOIA requests and kind of put out there. And Twitter was like, all right, got to do some public damage control. And a fusion center, you mentioned, it's, it's under the Department of Homeland Security. So they previously had, Twitter had relationships with, I think there there's like 70 something of these fusion centers in the U.S. And they had access to these, these tweets, um, full unfiltered access. And that was all revoked uh, recently. But like supposedly what the agreement with the FBI is, they still have access to Twitter, like through data miner, but it's limited and it's kind of said through digest. So it's like breaking news alerts. Which I'll, I'll be transparent, Mashable actually uses is a, a, a partner of data miner, and that's what we get too. For instance, I have it set up for tech news alerts. So on my tweet deck, my digest of Twitter, it'll be like, oh, Apple announces this, and it brings up the most relevant tweet. So I don't have a limited access to Twitter. I can't search for, you know, an account and see like everything in real time and really be able to narrow in by location and all that stuff, which supposedly is now what these fusion centers are limited to. It seems like the uh, ACLU has been pretty hardcore on the heels of Twitter and any of these third-party social media data mining operations. Earlier this year, Twitter suspended its relationship with Geofedia, which essentially did the same thing, I guess, as data miner. seems like sort of like this game of uh, cat and mouse between uh, Twitter and it's third-party partners and the ACLU. So it's also SnapTrends, another of these location-tracking data companies. So there's Geofedia, SnapTrends, DataMiner. They've all, like, one by one, the ACLU has been digging into them and, like, pulling out what I was saying before, these kind of these contradictions, where it seems like Twitter, you say your data can't be used for this, 
But what Geophedia is telling its clients is that's exactly what you should be using its tool for. That's why you should pay for access to it. Geophedia's emails that they got was just completely like saying that you can track protesters, saying police departments have done this. What do you think the the future is of a company like Data Miner? If the ACLU is going to be a monkey on their back the whole time, how is this eventually going to work out? What Twitter said, like, so uh, they had to write a letter. I mean, they didn't have to, but they chose to write a letter to the ACLU that explained the fact that over the last six months or year, they've reviewed and completely, Data Miner said, they completely revamped the company, as in it's being seen as this tool of, of digest and breaking news alerts so therefore, they'll do the digging for you. They won't give you complete unfiltered firehose access. So therefore, it's not seen as a surveillance tool. Instead, it's being kind of like a media operation. It's their platform. It's Twitter's platform. They really don't have to justify any of this. They're perfectly within their own rights to to want to comply with the law and help law enforcement. I mean, this is all done under the guise of catching bad guys. And also, Geophedia pulls from... Facebook and Instagram, too, they all revoked access. But Facebook kind of, uh, I think it was the version that reported that this tool was actually used to identify like an intruder to Mark Zuckerberg's office. It's based on, I guess, location on, on Facebook. So it was kind of like, yes, this point of like, hey, these tools can be used for good. Facebook actually used it themselves. So that's where you have this question of the future of kind of surveillance when it can be beneficial. And in your article, it says that um, the letter from Twitter to the ACLU said that they are going to take steps with Data Miner to rework its service and put forth a larger commitment to no longer provide these tools to any local, state, or federal government entities, which is okay, but uh, that doesn't rule out corporations, individuals, um, private companies that could be contracting with law enforcement. All these regulations and rules and policies they're trying to enact have an easy uh, end around. There's easy built-in loopholes. Totally. Like, I know these, these companies work with some of the biggest hotel chains in the world, and also sports stadiums, just these big places, they say they're using it for marketing purposes, right? So, like, wouldn't it be nice to know, let's say I post something on Instagram while I'm at, I don't know, the, the Marriott in Times Square. Shouldn't that company be able to see my Instagram and then maybe upgrade my hotel room? You know, like kind of this big customer service play that Twitter is kind of buying into here and saying our services can do that. But at the same time, it's a good point of like, hey, that information could also be used for something else. What, what's your overall feeling about data miner and companies like this? And uh, wh- where do you think they should really fit in this whole landscape of um, collecting data? Yeah, I just think the way these companies market themselves is just completely wrong and misused. I said with Geofeeder, the reason why they had all these social media companies pulled back is they're like, hey, we are this location-based surveillance tool instead of this location-based marketing tool. They aren't going to be able to provide these services to governments anymore um, if they want to be respected and trusted. But going forward in terms of these companies, I think they can continue to provide services to media companies like Mashable and CNN and all those great companies who really rely on these tools for finding sources. But just when it comes to governments and police, 
that these tools are just cannot be used that way. That perhaps police organizations themselves can build tools and, you know, do their own yeah. Twitter search, but they can't buy this unfiltered, like you were talking about, the fire hose. I'm glad you brought that up because this reminds me of, uh, of the Apple versus the FBI case when they wanted mm-hmm. to jailbreak the San Bernardino shooter's iPhone and... Yeah. They requested a special back door be created for them, and Apple said no. And then the FBI said, all right, fine, we're just going to go off and make our own. And they did. Yeah. And so that's what's going to happen here is uh, I, I, I guarantee they're going to have their own version of data miner. Eventually, they're going to just do some research and go, okay, who's, who's the guy that uh, developed um, – Geopedia, yeah. You know, we'll just throw down some, some bills for those uh, engineers and see if <laughs> see what they can whip us up. Now, you said that Mashable uses a version of data miner? Yeah. I use a tweet deck for Twitter, and I have a column that's, that's data miner, and I can put in my settings in terms of kind of what type of news I want. And like I said, data miner kind of has an editorial team where they'll have white-labeled accounts um, that they know, you know, are like, other reporters or other prominent figures. Mm-hmm. So I have a feed of like tech events, a feed for world news. Like I'm, I'm opening it right now. And what I see, I see a tweet from Pokemon Go saying Pokemon Go for Apple Watch is coming soon. Stay oh, tuned. Jesus Christ. Yeah, People so are still like, playing that game. <laughs> they are. I can see it's under listed chatter and it has like this urgent tag. And then there's a little map that says, where's the tweet sent? It just pretty much is like a verified news-breaking survey that helps me as a reporter be like, oh, wow, like, I didn't see that in my own timeline. You know, I didn't get that news alert, but that's, you know, causing a lot of conversation. It may be something I want to check out. So it is a very useful tool for a lot of newsrooms. And I would say, though, that Twitter also is doing it, doing that itself um, through its Moments project. It actually has, like, a curation team whose job is, is to track and find viral moments and put them into kind of these digests for you. Nobody goes. Um, nobody goes to moments. Yeah, Come nobody on. Nobody goes to moments. Yeah. No. I. You know. I, I actually wrote a story a couple uh, months ago about that. It was right after in October when Twitter actually ended up cutting Vine. Um, I spoke to him about like, all right, you just cut this huge like app that everyone loves, but you're keeping around this product that supposedly no one uses, um, and investing in journalists to put together these moments. So, and but it's the whole point of what I was just saying is the fact that. Twitter brands itself as a news app. They want you to use it as your news source. Wait a second. They employ journalists to put together that moment crap? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's like run by, like, the guy who used to run it was from the New York Times. He's no longer there. But the other people, the people who put together moments are previous, most most of them are journalists. Yeah. You can barely get a job in journalism anymore. Like, you have <laughs> to go you other go places. To Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's similar to Facebook's and the trending topics. They also had journalists like doing that. And so what Twitter has done, it has the same kind of program, but it hasn't laid them off because they brand themselves as a news app. Mm. See, I remember way back in 2007, it was supposed to be microblogging. <laughs> I brought that up to them the other day. I was at a, they had their, uh, Twitter had their holiday party and I was like, hey, guys, just wondering, like, what do you like to refer to yourselves as again? Because, yes, I, I think maybe even in that article I wrote about data miner, I refer to Twitter as a microblogging site. And, uh, and they just kind of laugh. It's like, but it is still microblogging. Like, yeah, like the videos that you create, you're putting out as a personal blog. It, and micro, whether that be 
text, whether it be 140 characters or whether it be a 10 second video or even more, that's still, still microblogging. Yeah, um, but, but some people start using it as like a chat chatting app. I hate that. I hate that. And, and the worst is when you 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 uh, you engage in one of these uh, back and forth things, and then you're stuck in a thread that you don't even want to be part of. Um, but yeah, what else? Um, is there something that we haven't touched on that you think needs to be addressed in regards to data miner and Twitter? Data miner and Twitter. I mean, yeah, just the question of going forward about. I'm curious about what the ACLU is up to next. It seems like they tackled all the big companies, you know, uh, in terms of the services that had access to this, um, and we're selling it to government and and other law enforcement agencies. Yeah, I mean, the future of data miner. Um, I don't know. They seem to be a good company. They're well, they, though, with them. I mean, the Geopedia after the ACLU report, they had to do. I believe they cut their office in half. They completely had to. They, like pretty much, they were destroyed. Um, but so far, I haven't heard the same type of thing for data miners. Mm-hmm. Just a matter of time. The only thing I'm, I'm concerned about is when you have these ACLU things is I know that they're trying to look out for the uh, for the individual and everything. And, and that's fine and dandy. But I always look for the unintended consequences. And so if the ACLU forces law enforcement to not use these tools and have access to these tools, but still not have a problem with. Uh, a private company or citizen getting a hold of this, maybe a bad guy, maybe a terrorist. And so, like, sometimes I think that maybe this might hinder law enforcement more than anything. But but they always find a way around, just like with the Apple FBI thing. And, and this Fusion Center thing seems like an easy one to get around. It's like, okay, we just won't have these at Fusion Centers. We'll have them in our office. Done finished um they try to do the best that they can now uh twitter and and other companies have these quote-unquote transparency reports where they say when the government approaches them there's only so much they can say within the law they can publicly put out there but they do provide information on we had x amount of FOIA requests from this country in this country um and i believe actually the number of requests the last time they submitted the news about every six months that actually the request went down carrie how can one stalk you on Twitter? <laughs> stalk me or follow me. Yeah, my accounts, uh, all my social media accounts are Carrie, K-E-R-R-Y-M-L-Y-N-N. Once again, Carrie Flynn, business and tech reporter for Mashable. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Talk to you. All right. Ciao. Okie dokie. Before we get to Russell Brandom of The Verge, I just thought for funsies... I'd go to dataminer.com and read their uh, about page. It actually gives you a pretty good idea of what they're doing. Well, first of all, their about page is about five pages long. I hate that. If, if I have to scroll two or three finger scrolls, your page should have stopped. Your page is too long. Anyway, so here it is from dataminer.com. This is their about section. This is how they describe themselves. Data Miner transforms real-time data from Twitter and other public sources into actionable alerts. 
identifying the most relevant information in real time for clients in finance, the public sector, news, corporate security, and crisis management. DataMiner has pioneered a groundbreaking technology that identifies, classifies, and determines the significance of real-time information and delivers relevant alerts and verification analytics through high-value applications. DataMiner for Finance is currently used by the world's leading hedge funds and investment banks to take action on early market moving information and gain perspective and context from differentiated information. Differentiated information. That's a new one for me. Anyway, DataMiner also services a number of clients in the public sector, providing alerts on groundbreaking news and events when lives are at stake. In partnership with Twitter, DataMiner developed and launched DataMiner for News, which alerts journalists to breaking news in advance of traditional sources and is now used by hundreds of news organizations globally. Most recently, DataMiner launched a product for corporate security and crisis management. Most recently, DataMiner launched a product for corporate security and crisis management watch centers that warns the world's largest corporations to emerging crises. Crises or crises? I always want to say crises, but it, I think it's crises. C-R-I-S-E-S. Crises. Emerging crises. Yeah. They want to warn the world's largest corporations to emerging crises. 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 Ensuring that a corporation's physical assets and employees are protected. The company was founded in 2009 by former Yale undergraduate roommates Ted Bailey, Jeff Kinsey, and Sam Handel. Combining their professional experience in social media, technology innovation, and finance. DataMiner has over 150 employees and is headquartered in New York City with offices in D.C., London, Seattle, and Montana. And uh, also, they have a, a little official seal of approval here. Official partner of Twitter. DataMiner's strategic partnership with Twitter includes real-time access to all public tweets. Oh my god. All right. Up next, I visit with tech writer Russell Brandom to get his take on DataMiner. And now I'm joined by tech reporter at The Verge, Russell Brandom. Welcome, Russell. Thanks for having me. So, Russell, You've been following this data miner story, and you've talked about uh, the fusion centers that have that have been uh, cracked down on. Data miner had some contracts with fusion centers, which are this sort of homeland security, like federal and local law enforcement sharing data and working together to to identify threats, kind of things. And they had a contract, and we sort of got more detail about like what the different flavors of data miner are. So. The headline that the ACLU ran was Fusion Centers Had Revoked Data Miner Access, which wasn't really true. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of them still have access to versions of Data Miner. It's just there's this geolocation tool that's a little bit more like what Geofedia does that 
they sort of now say they're not going to sell to government clients. But so what they sold to the FBI was this sort of breaking news product, which is, it really seems like kind of what they were selling all along. You know, like any startup, they're sort of figuring it out as they go along. So the broad proposition is they have access to the full Twitter firehose, and they're the only company like this that has that. As they see live things happening to the data, they can surface alerts. Okay, so who wants to buy that? The first people to be very interested in those kinds of alerts and that kind of data were basically marketers, right? It's Pepsi-Cola wants to know when a lot of people are talking about Pepsi-Cola and sort of where in the world they are. And and, and so I, I think it was very focused on that just because that's where the audience was. But I think we're now seeing that it's a little tricky to say, okay, well, we'll sell it to Pepsi-Cola, but we won't sell it to the local police. Now, I think most local police probably can't afford it. But we saw the CIA, the FBI have been using it. It seems like primarily to identify immediate threats to public safety. So the case study that they always use is the Paris shooting where it surfaced on and I think, you know, if you're if you're on Twitter, you probably have recognized these moments where there's often an, an entire hour where you see stuff, you know, people people are tweeting that something alarming is happening. You're not sure if it's anything. You're not sure if the tweets are genuine. But you sort of see a bunch of chatter, and then eventually someone confirms it, and we all get the New York Times alert that says, okay, this is really happening. And they're kind of in that little space in the middle, and it can be as much as an hour. So they say in the Paris attacks, their alert came an hour before any of the media or any of the other sort of feeds that a lot of places would have. And, and so if you're in the business of responding to threats like that, that's a very valuable hour. In general, there's a sort of weird mismatch of incentives, right? So data miner is fundamentally selling its product to clients. It's got the single product. This is the classic like scaling thing. They made the thing and they just want as many clients as possible so that they get more revenue and they have more money, right? Like that's, that's the basic data miner incentive. And Twitter owns a stake in Data Miner, but it's really a separate company. So, you know, they talk a lot, but Twitter isn't really telling Data Miner what to do exactly. But at the same time, Data Miner's whole business is based on having this access to the firehose, the sort of live feed of tweets that, that no one else has. And it's because they have a special relationship with Twitter. And so if the relationship ever got bad, if Twitter ever wasn't happy with what data miner was doing, they could just revoke that access and say, all right, you know, you're, you're with everyone else now. You're competing, you know, with all the other social media analytics tools, but we're not going to give you the special thing anymore. And it would be a huge blow long-term to data miners business. So they need to keep Twitter happy, but at the same time, Twitter isn't that involved in the day-to-day of data miner. So that sort of mismatch, I think is a, a big part of why you see stuff like this, where, you know, data miner has a contract with the CIA, and then suddenly, you know, does Twitter even necessarily know about that contract? Well, data miner probably isn't telling Twitter absolutely every contract they have. But then when Twitter finds out, maybe they're not happy. I mean, and then Twitter's incentive is they want people to keep using Twitter and feel good about tweeting things, right? And, And if you feel like maybe something you tweet is going to get you arrested, or even is just being used by the government to monitor you, then they're worried people will be creeped out by that and stop using Twitter, right? And I think that's a very real concern. And they're, 
I think, more aware of that than a lot of other services like Facebook and Instagram and, and sort of that, because they have this in their terms of service, and they're the only social network that has this. They say, you know, if you are a third party building on top of Twitter, you may not use tweets for surveillance, which is kind of the, always the thing people point to where they say, well, okay, the, F, you know, the FBI has this contract. This smells a lot like surveillance, doesn't it? And then Twitter kind of turns to Dana Reiner and says, yeah, actually, it does kind of look like surveillance. Explain to us how it isn't. And so there's this kind of back and forth all the time where data miners kind of bouncing back and forth between their clients and Twitter and the press, of course, because we keep digging up new stuff. (laughs) Using what? Data miner? Well, right. I mean, this is the thing. Like, they do want to have press clients. I think in general, they may be too expensive for us, but but I'm sure they're talking to, you know, BuzzFeed and everyone and saying, oh, well, if you paid a little more, we could get you the news a little earlier. At this point right now, as, as it stands, Data Miner still has a contract with both uh, the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI. So the Department of Homeland Security, one, I think that's a specific California Regional Intelligence Center that then is probably getting money from Homeland Security once you get into the government ones, it gets complicated, too. It's sort of uh, yes, it's a of labyrinth yeah. of bureaucracy. Yeah. <laughs> now, okay, let's let's fast forward a month. Um, the ACLU has already got um, legal proceedings going and ready to revoke the FBI's access to data miner. And let's say that is successful. You guys are banned. What's going to stop them from doing the same thing the FBI did with Apple and just develop their own data miner? It's sort of a question of access to data, right? So right now, you can follow whoever you want on Twitter, but it's very hard to get all the tweets live at once, like the experience of Twitter that you would have if you followed every account. That's what data miner has, and they're getting it from Twitter, and they're the only ones who have it. Obviously, the API lets you do a lot of this a lot faster, but fundamentally, all of this information is public. And so it's very – it's hard to be as stable about it. That is, if they built – if the FBI built something and they used like a fake API key, which you can get if you just sort of lie about what you're going to use it for, you can get an API key for, for Twitter or any of these services. They could do that, but then, okay, maybe the Twitter finds out and it gets revoked and then they have to come up with some kludgy solution and you don't really know when that's going to happen, so it's not really as reliable and it's harder to build a business around. But – this is scrapable data, and it's very plausible that you know an agency the size of the FBI, for instance, would be able to do this without Twitter knowing about it. The NSA, for instance, if, if you got some of those guys in a room and said, build us something that will give us something like Twitter Firehose access without Twitter knowing about it, without us needing Twitter's permission, they can do that, right? And especially the NSA is working in a scale where they can certainly do that. It's in a broad sense, very difficult because the information is necessarily public, right? Like you can't, you, you can't make it impossible to find someone's tweet, right? That's not what Twitter is, right? You're, you're, you're putting these things out there. There is going to be a way to do that. The question is just how much are the companies helping you to do that and how much are you sort of working around the companies to get there? So a big part of data miner is they're getting data in from the firehose but that just because someone's a client doesn't mean the client has firehose access, right? So, so they're 
you know, the, the fire hose is kind of going into their analytics system. And then the analytics system is generating alerts, and then the alerts go out to the clients, right? And one of the things that happened with fusion centers was they had a new product that was a little bit more like what Geophedia was doing. It was allowing geospatial access that also let you drill down to specific tweets. So their general thing is a lot of people are tweeting about, you know, the verge around this particular corner, and then it would just tell you that. And you say, well, okay, wait, where are they? And and who are the specific people? Like, let me make sure that this is a real thing. And this isn't just, you know, a bunch of Russian spam accounts decided to generate alert about this thing, because that can happen too. And so, but then it was letting you get to specific people, right? So if you were saying, well, you know, a lot of people are tweeting about the Dakota Access Pipeline around this particular place, and you say, well, well, they're disturbing a piece, I should go arrest all of them. You could get back to specific tweets and then find the account, and then with the account, you could find the person's name, and you could go to their house and arrest them. Um, so, so this was a concern for the ACLU, obviously, um, and it was turned out to be a concern for Twitter, too. And so Twitter said, we're revoking the geospatial tool access, but you're still going to have the breaking news access. And it, my understanding, based on Twitter's comments, is that this is also true of the FBI, that the FBI has the limited version. It doesn't have the geospatial tool. It only has the, the news alert tool, which again means those tools are generated from, the alerts are generated from the fire hose, but the FBI can't work backwards from the alerts to get access to the fire hose. Only data miner has access to the fire hose. You know, there's all of this data from social media. We do have just more information than ever before, and I think companies across the board have seen this as an opportunity and it's a very very crowded field you want an edge and data miners edge has been that they have access to the fire hose you know if you go to these machine learning conferences there's you'll find a dozen people who say i'm going to let you know that you know exxon stock is going to drop five minutes before it hits the market or or two minutes before it hits the market and that's going to make you a million bucks when that happens. And so you should pay us a quarter of a million bucks for five years of access to this tool. So at some point that happens and then, you know, we can keep the lights on. I think that's a very common pitch. And data miner has been able to say, and I think they made a very clever move with Twitter where they said, look, we take this stake in us and then our success will be your success. And we'll both sort of beat this market together. You know, I'm like writing about privacy and I think there is like a, a response where people should like there's like a fear. I don't think I don't think the res, the good response to this is is to be afraid. The the thing is just to know what the consequences of publishing something could be. That this you are putting something into a public forum, and there are people who are going to be watching that public forum often at an automated and a very large scale, and that's sort of part of the game now. Russell Brandom. Reporter, The Verge, thank you so much for joining me. Before I let you go, if a listener wants to stalk you on Twitter, how can they go about doing that? Oh, yeah. Russell Brandom. uh, It's just at Russell Brandom. We'll hang out where the FBI can see us. Yeah. Jump into the fire hose and tweet Russell Brandom. It's at Russell Brandom, and that's spelled R-U-S-S-E-L-L-B-R-A-N-D-O. M, M as in mass mathematics sur- yeah. or mass surveillance. <laughs> All right, Russell, thank you so much. I really appreciate it and look forward to, to more great reporting from you. 
Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Vince in the Bay podcast. You can check out prior episodes on my bloggy blog at vinceinthebay.com. Also, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Until next time, ciao. Thank you very nice.